Well, good morning. That barbecue smells really good, doesn't it? So I'll try to keep this concise. So I went down there and I snuck a couple pickles. So uh, this is a, a preaching powered by pickles. All right. So. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Second Timothy 1 7. Teach us to number our days aright, O Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 12. The good news and the bad news in two verses, Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. These and many, many other verses have ministered to me over the years. Uh, God has, through his Holy Spirit, brought them to bear in my life when I've been tempted to do something I shouldn't or when I've been discouraged or when I've been uh, timid or afraid of sharing my faith, uh, when I've been uh, mourning or a time of peace or comfort or when I just simply needed assurance of God's love for me. Uh, God has used his word to, to strengthen me and to help me over the years. And I believe in, in another verse that I'd like to quote for you, Isaiah 55:11, where, where this is said about God's word, that it will not return to him void or empty, but it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And so this morning we come to this parable of the sower, which is a parable on God's word. That's pretty obvious. And it's more precisely a parable about hearing and then receiving and applying what you hear. It's a familiar story. Many of us have heard this parable many times, and it's one that we as Kansans ought to instinctively understand. It doesn't take much to figure it out because Jesus says this is what it means in verses 11 through 15. Jesus says the, the, the word of God and, and people are like this. Some people receive God's word with a soft heart, like fertile soil, and it takes root. Some people receive God's word with a hard heart, a calloused heart, and they kind of deflect off God's truth. It does not take root. Jesus says some people receive God's word with a sort of a distracted heart. There's other things that come into life and into the life, and it kind of chokes it out like weeds do in, 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 in weed-infested soil. And then Jesus says that some people receive God's word with a, a fickle heart. Other things distract them, and, and it kind of establishes root. It springs up, but it's shallow, and it just kind of withers away. So Jesus is obviously talking about the word of God and how do we apply it. But what does this mean for us? When we apply God's word, how does it affect and change our lives? Well, first, listen to verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Why? So that they cannot believe and be saved. The word of God changes hearts. The word of God is powerful because it reveals to us the way of salvation. It tells us who God is, what his plan is for us, how he's calling us to live for him, what the promises that we receive when we put our trust in Christ are. It renews our minds. It is spirit and life. Jesus said that in John chapter 4. And the devil doesn't want that to happen. He wants us to remain hard-hearted, unchanged, unproductive, fruitless. So the first thing we want to pull out of this is if we want to understand God's word, if we want to apply it, we, we need to seek it and know that it can change our heart. Now, I want to make something clear about the Bible. Sometimes people say, well, the Bible is so hard to understand. And there are parts of it that you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and you have to 
discuss with others and you have to pray. And But let's face it, the vast, vast majority of the Bible is, is pretty easy to understand. Mark Twain once said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that trouble me. It's the parts that I do. In other words, there are things that he knew that he wasn't applying and, and God's word convicted him. Uh, anybody who comes at, to the Bible with a, a prayerful heart, seeking truth, seeking understanding, asking God to change their heart, God will reveal his will to you. It's a matter of, of our heart attitude. That's why, for example, two people can sit in the same church for years, hear the same sermons, hear the same scripture read, but yet one person's life seems to be radically different than the other. They relate to their spouse and their kids differently. They, they use their resources differently. They, they, they do their work at their job differently. They go to school. They participate in other activities differently because they've allowed God's word to change their priorities, to change their attitude, to soak in and to apply it. There's a story about John Wesley, the 18th century uh, preacher who used to ride and do circuit riding and preaching through uh, England and the U.S., and the story goes that one night he was riding through the countryside in England and he was stopped by a highway robber who said, give me your money or I'll kill you. Wesley gave him the money that he had. But as the man turned to walk away, to, to run away, he said, wait, I have one more thing to give you. He said, you may live to regret your life of crime. And if you ever do, then remember this. The blood of Christ can cleanse you of your sin. And the highway robber just took off and Wesley went on his way. Years later, at the close of a Sunday evening service, a stranger stepped up to, to talk with Wesley, and, and Wesley was surprised to recognize him as the robber who had robbed him so many years before. But the man was no longer a thief. He was, he was a believer. He was a businessman. He was a, a husband and a father. He was involved in the church. And he told Wesley how that short one-line sermon that quoted Scripture had taken root in his heart and led to his conversion. And he said, to you, I owe it all. Wesley said, no, not me, but the precious blood of Christ, which cleanses us from sin. You see, when we make the choice to, to allow God's word to soak into our heart, when we seek to understand God's word and to apply it, we experience a change of, of life, a transformation, not just salvation, but, but a change of, of values and priorities in our relationships, our work, Everything is changed when we allow God's word to shape us that way. Secondly, if we let God's word take root in our life, we will find the strength and the wisdom and the help um, to handle the problems and difficulties that come our way in life. Jesus said this in verse 13. Those in the rocks are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. Now, as a pastor, I've done dozens and dozens of funerals over the years, a variety of circumstances. But I can tell you there's a sharp contrast between doing a funeral for someone who is a committed believer, who believed in the Lord, and someone who rejected the Lord. There was a remarkable tone and attitude, a remarkable difference in the way that those families dealt with death and loss. I've been in hospital rooms of both committed Christians and those who rejected the Lord who were fighting cancer or an illness and there's a remarkable difference in the way they respond and face that I've had friends both Christian and non-Christian who've lost businesses had failed marriages 
rebellious kids, sickness, poverty, divorce, all sorts of things. And there is a marked difference in the way that those who trust in the Lord and apply his word, there's a marked difference in the way that they face their problems. Now, the word of God doesn't promise, of course, that we're not going to have difficulties. In fact, it tells us the opposite. It says that in this world there'll be many troubles. But it says, but, but don't worry because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. In other words, God's word tells us that even when we face difficulty, that he will give us the strength and the peace and, yes, even the joy and the comfort in the midst of them to not only survive, but to know his presence in a powerful way and to come out stronger on the other side. The Apostle Peter says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed to all the world. So how do we allow God's word to take root in our life so that when troubles come, that we can, we can, we can make our way through them with God's strength and help? Well, we have to know it, right? We, we have to, to know it through study, through prayer, through memorization, by listening, by applying it. Thirdly, if we keep God's word as a priority in our life, as our anchor, as our foundation, then it will help us to keep the rest of our life priorities in their proper place and perspective. Jesus said this in verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So in other words, Jesus says, these people hear God's word, they believe it, they accept it, but over a period of time, other things come into their life, probably good things, important things, but they begin to squeeze out the place and priority of the word of God. It could be things like our career or retirement savings or our house, boat, entertainment, relationships, sports, all sorts of things that are very good, can be very good, but they are to be secondary to the place of God's word and truth and our relationship with Christ. Jim Dennison, pastor of a church in Dallas, Texas, tells the story of when he was in college and he did an internship um, as a summer missionary in East Malaysia. Uh, heavily Muslim area and he says that one of these during one of the services there was a teenage girl who came forward and she announced her decision to live for Christ and to be baptized which was wonderful and, and then Dennison noticed a little bit later in the service that there was there was some worn out luggage leaning against one of the walls and he asked the pastor of the small church what's that for and he said he pointed at the girl and said well her dad said if she was baptized as a Christian she could never come home again so she brought her luggage with her. She understood, painful as it was, what comes first in life. It's with the same sense of urgency and of priority that we need to live every day. Our relationship with God, which includes hearing and doing his word, is to come first. Stephen Covey, who is the author of the best-selling book from several years ago, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, shares a, a great and familiar illustration that powerfully demonstrates the need for keeping our priorities straight in life. He went to a seminar and a leader took a, a, showed his audience this wide-mouthed gallon jar. And he put as many rocks as he could into it and then he asked the question, is the container full? 
Everybody said, yeah. He smiled and he poured some gravel into it and it kind of filled in the cracks between the rocks and he asked them again, is it full? They were catching on, so most of them said, probably not. Then he reached for some sand and he filled it in and he poured it in and it filled in even more gaps. He says, is it full? And they said, no. And they were right because then he filled the water, the jar with water. And afterwards he said, what's the point of this illustration? And somebody said, well, there are gaps. And if we work really hard at it, we can always fit more into our lives. That's probably the way a lot of us would respond. He said, that's not the point. The point is this. If you had not put those big rocks in first, you never would have gotten them in. Make sure in your walk with Christ, make sure in your life you put the big things in first. The word of God is to be the big rock, the anchor, the foundation in our life to shape our priorities, to shape our attitudes, to shape our relationships, to change us and renew us. Don't allow other things in life to crowd out the place of God's word. If you keep it as your top priority, it will help you keep all your other priorities in life in their proper perspective and place. Finally and fourthly, if we live according to God's word, our life will be used of God to produce a harvest for his kingdom. Jesus said this in verse 14, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. You know, it's, it's interesting in our, in our world that two people can do the exact same job, same responsibilities, and yet they get paid drastically different amounts. It happens, right? For example, uh, in the game of baseball, there are players who work just as hard, are just as dedicated, but they never get beyond double-A ball. Maybe make 50000 60000 before they have to drop out. And there are people, other people who work no, no more than these other folks, but because of their talent, like a Mike Trout or Alice Gordon or a Zach Grinke, they, do, they work just as hard, do the same job, but they get paid tens of millions of dollars. In baseball, it has to do with talent. But that's not what defines success in the spiritual life. Success in our walk with Christ is determined by our commitment and by our obedience, by our willingness to put God's word to work in our lives. And those who do, Jesus promises, will reap a harvest. A harvest may be not evidenced by money or by fame, but by the change in our life, by transformed relationships, and by the lives of the people that we touch and influence for Christ. Even if we're just a small-time businessman, or just a teacher, or just a volunteer youth leader, or, or, or just a homemaker, or whatever it might be, if we let God's word take hold in our life, take root, and apply it, he will use our life for his kingdom. I've seen this happen in my life. A couple of the verses that I started with, I've seen it in my life. 2 Timothy 1.7, when I was in high school, I didn't have a lot of Christian friends, and it wasn't easy to take a stand for Christ. Didn't want to feel rejected. Didn't want to feel odd or out of place. Uh, and I made a few mistakes here and there, but for the most part, I tried to do what was right. But, but I didn't always share my faith. And this verse was given to me and, and was really used of God to convict me and to encourage me. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I can think of another instance. When we were living in Canada, many of you know this, but our first daughter was stillborn at about eight months. It was difficult, obviously very difficult, and we, we mourned the loss of a child we'd never get to know, never get to see grow up and get to know in that way. And there was two verses that really ministered to us. Isaiah 26, 3, He will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And then John 8, 32, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. We knew that he was empathetic, that he understood what we were going through. We knew his compassion and his strength and his mercy because we knew that, that he was weeping with us. And there have been times in, in my life when I've been overwhelmed by ministry and by work and family and all sorts of things. And a verse that God has used in my life is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then finally, last example. I don't know about you, but I can relate to the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. It talks about how the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I should do, I don't do. You get frustrated with yourself and you think, boy, I, 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 you know, I've been a believer a long time. I'm a pastor. Why do I still struggle with this or that? Why haven't I seen growth here? And you get frustrated with yourself. And the words of Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.6 have been of great uh, encouragement to me. That He says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion until the day that Christ returns. If we seek to know and understand God's word and God's truth, his Holy Spirit will bring it to bear in our lives because it's power, it's life, it's spirit. And we'll begin to see our lives and our perspective changed. That is what God's word can do for you. Let's be hearers and doers of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have created us in your image and you've placed us in this world, in this universe, but you are not far off. You are constantly communicating to us. You've, ex you've communicated to us through your son, Jesus Christ, your son, very God himself. And we look at him and we see truth and grace and holiness, um, mercy, love. You've also given us your word to communicate to us. And as we look at it, we, we understand what truly should be important in our lives. We understand who we are and who you are and how you love us, how you call us to repentance, but also to joy in, in life with you. Lord, we pray that we would be hearers and doers of your word. And that as we do so, your word would take root, that you would work through us to produce good things for your kingdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord.